Welcome to this week's sermon at Village Presbyterian Church. At Village, we seek to be shaped by the life of Christ, to practice authentic friendship, and serve the world. You're invited to join us at either our Mission Campus or our Antioch Campus. For now, we hope you hear a word for your own life in this sermon. Let us join in prayer this morning. God, grant that the words you speak to us this day may take root in all of our hearts and bear fruit to your honor and your glory. Through Jesus Christ we pray. Amen. Okay, before we jump into the scripture reading, let's situate ourselves into the larger story of our spiritual grandfather, Jacob. You might remember from Sunday school or vacation Bible school the story about the brothers of Esau and Jacob, the twins. Basically, if you remember, Esau sold his birthright to Jacob for what constitutes a cup of soup. Now, Esau, in this moment, is pretty mad, naturally, and wants to kill Jacob. So Rachel, Jacob and Esau's mom, sends Jacob to her homeland, to her father's house, and says, find a wife there, and by the time you come back, hopefully Esau's anger has been settled. That's where we're going to read. Okay. Starting at verse 10, Jacob left Beersheba and went toward Haran. He came to a certain place and stayed the night because the sun had set. Taking one of the stones of that place, he put it under his head and lay down in that place. And he dreamed there was a ladder set up on the earth and the top of it reaching heaven. And the angels of God were ascending and descending on it. And the Lord stood beside him and said, I am the Lord, the God of Abraham, your father, and the God of Isaac. The land on which you lie, I will give to you and to your offspring, and your offspring shall be like the dust of the earth, and you shall spread abroad to the west and to the east and to the north and to the south. All of the families of the earth shall be blessed in you and in your offspring. Know that I am with you and will keep you wherever you go and will bring you back to this land. For I will not leave you until I have done what I promised you. Then Jacob woke from his sleep and said, Surely the Lord is in this place, and I did not know it. And he was afraid and said, How awesome is this place! This is none other than the house of God and the gate of heaven. So Jacob rose early in the morning and took the stone that he had put under his head and set it up as a pillar and poured oil on top of it. He called the place Bethel, but the name of the city was Luz at first. Then Jacob made a vow, saying, If God will be with me and will keep me in this way that I go and will give me bread to eat and clothing to wear— So that I come again to my father's house in peace. Then the Lord shall be my God, 
And this stone which I have set up for a pillar shall be God's house. And of all that you give me, I will surely give one-tenth to you. The grass withers and the flowers fade, but the word of our God shall stand forever. Amen. So I recently found myself standing in a crowd of about 87,000 people or so, all of them swaying back and forth, holding on to each other. Even my children were holding on and swaying. Now, this is not a new experience for me, but it is one that I had not participated in for about 10 years. This is what it's like to be a fightin' Texas Aggie sawing during our war hymn. Now, in case you don't know what I'm talking about, I graduated with my undergraduate degree from Texas A&M University. We are known for our traditions and our deep spirit, to say the least. About a month ago, Karen and I took our twins to their very first Aggie football game. And this might not seem like an important life milestone to you, but in my family, football is as much a part of the fall as pumpkin spice lattes and leaves actually falling from the trees. Simply understand it's a big deal. You and I, we know something about having a transcendent experience. We may have most recently felt it during a sporting event, but we know that feeling of everyone focusing on the same thing at the same time. For you, it may have been Fog Allen Arena, or Kauffman Stadium, or even Arrowhead Stadium. We love that feeling of feeling like we're a part of something bigger than ourselves. And the first time you experience thousands of people doing the same cheer, yell, or song at the same time, it's a powerful experience. This last week, I spent much of the week reading post after post after post of Aggies describing what it was like when our team was tied with number one ranked Alabama. I read of people holding their breath, waiting for that football to go through the uprights, and then bursting into tears as soon as they saw it go through, and then storming the field to celebrate. It's as if the experience of winning a football game or a championship is as transcendent as an experience of angels moving up and down the ladder to heaven. So today, though, we're going to go a little farther back than last week. We're going to go about 4,000 years back to the story of Jacob. I think we can find some similarity with it. Okay, we may not have deviously stolen birthrights from our older brother, but I do think we all know what it means to be not sure of what is next and not certain about what our future holds. You and I, as people living today, seem to constantly live in this state of uncertainty. And I think COVID-19 has especially heightened this reality for us. So many things still seem uncertain. Will, will COVID end ever? 
What is this new normal? And do I have to wear pants today? Even before COVID, the place we live, our home changed about every decade. Historians suggest that people that lived before 200 years ago thought about their own present time as a natural progression from the past. And that changes to the present time were seen as only moments, only momentarily temporary. Until about 200 years ago, the technology, the landscape, the clothing styles, the type and style of food were likely to be familiar for generations. For example, you would probably be using the same tools, living in the exact house, the exact location, eating the same food, and even wearing the same clothes that your great-great-grandparents used. And what they used would be passed on to your generation, and you would pass it on for many generations ahead of you. There was a sense that stability, the immovability of time was the constant. And that any change to the status quo was more of a temporary glitch than it was seen as a potential long-term paradigm shift. It really only took an act of God to change the course of history and the future. This seems foreign to us living today. You and I see change as a regular happening, even a welcomed rapid occurrence. Getting a new phone or a new TV can immediately be a lesson in the progression of technology. Clothing styles don't just change every year, but every season. And even the houses we live in change about every 10 years you're more likely to move than to replace the LED, LED light bulb you just put in its socket. To say our future is uncertain might seem like one of the most obvious statements ever stated in this pulpit. Yet this is where we connect with Jacob. Jacob knew what it was to be crafting a new future and to have an unset path forward. Before Jacob received the birthright, his path in life, in fact, the whole family's path in life had already been set. The oldest son, Esau, was to inherit the family land and then serve as the patriarch. Yet when Jacob received this birthright... All of this certainty became, well, uncertain. It is on this uncertain path forward that the story of God comes crashing in. Jacob's traveling between towns and he must stop to rest for the night and he wasn't close to family or shelter. So he grabbed the closest rock, comfied up with it, and fell asleep. 
So it was at night in his dreams that God came to Jacob and reminded him of the covenant with Abraham and Isaac and offered Jacob a blessing of descendants and land, the exact land upon which he was resting. After waking, Jacob realizes he's met God. So Jacob's response is to make this site into a place of worship. After a transcendent experience, after getting in touch with something bigger than ourselves, we want to keep that feeling alive. Jacob made an altar. You and I, though, might buy a t-shirt, take a picture, and put it on social media. We want to tell our friends about this amazing thing that we've experienced. We want to keep reliving it. So Jacob places a stone as a reminder that this was the place that God met him and the place that God will bring him and his family back to. The stone is a place that an encounter with God happened so that every time they pass this place, they will remember to be open and to open themselves up to another encounter with the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. If it seems as if place is important in this story, it's because it is. God met Jacob in that particular place, which is why the place becomes called Bethel, in Hebrew, the house of God. The place became a reminder that God blessed Jacob and all of his descendants in this place so that every encounter with this place would serve as a reminder that in uncertain times, God's covenant was unchanging. This is similar to why I think there's such a tie to sporting events in these days. This notion of place being a reminder is exactly why we keep going. It's a reminder that at one time, something amazing happened here, and that maybe today it will happen again. It's the hope that history will repeat itself. In our ever-changing world, to keep watching football and baseball games, to keep cheering for our hometown teams is to be connected to something that is steady, at least steadier than our day-to-day -day lives. I felt a sense of that about a month ago, standing in Kyle Field, swaying with about 86,000 other Aggies. It's been a long while since I felt that, and I have to admit, it felt good. So I think what we learn from Jacob is that what we need more than anything is a reminder. Just like Jacob set up a pillar to serve as a reminder, we need reminders. A reminder to worship, a reminder to open ourselves up to an encounter with Jesus Christ and allow the Holy Spirit to awaken in us an experience of the divine. 
This is a fundamental reason that we show up to worship. We seek to open ourselves up to the possibility that God will encounter us here. We do so because worship offers us an array of reminders that the Holy One has been present to us in the past and promises to be with us in the future. We also hope to be reminded that in a constantly changing world, the promises of God are steady and are true. Now, lest you hear me saying that we can only experience God in places of worship, God also promises to be with Jacob wherever he goes. I want to make clear that the conversation between God and Jacob does not indicate that God is only going to be in the place that Jacob put up the pillar. God is not stuck in the house of God over between Beersheba and Haran. God promises to Jacob in verse 15, Know that I am with you and will keep you wherever you go. At its very core, this is the covenant of God. The covenant of God indicates that God promises to be with Jacob in that place, in this place, and wherever he goes. This is the same promise that is ours too. God promises to meet us in this place, wherever that place is, and in this time, whenever that time is. God is not bound by the limitations of time and place. Our living Lord is the one who can meet God's people in the land of Canaan, Egypt, the wilderness, in this sanctuary that you're sitting in right now, or even in the space that you are watching this broadcast right now. And even into the uncertain future that lies before us. I wonder if remembering the steady and true promises of God is what is really at stake when we choose to not encounter holy places and the holy reminders that God places in our way. We know that reminders are here. Many of you, me included, I need the physical reminders that are here in this sanctuary. In this space, we are reminded that the people of God have encountered the risen Lord. And so churches can offer us a tangible way to experience worship. We feel the vibrations of the music rattling our bones the sound of the words washing over us. Even encountering you, God's people, again and again to hear how God is alive and at work in your life. These are profoundly important reminders. Yet the reminders do not only reside in this space. The laptop or the iPad that you are watching this on, maybe that sits on your hospital bed or your kitchen table, 
this also offers a reminder of being open to God's presence. And Village Church, this church that you're a part of, has a long history of sending out reminders from this place. These reminders include tangible cards that remind people that God is with them wherever they are, and that the members of Village Church are with them too. Maybe it's the phone calls that occur, or the flowers that get sent out on Sunday and Monday, saying they've been in worship and are sending God's love to you. We also see this in the Stephen ministers that meet weekly with their care recipients. They are offering, they themselves are offering tangible expressions of God's deep and true promises. Sometimes you and I are the ones offering the reminders. And yet other times we show up because we're the ones who are needing the reminder. So just like swaying with 86,000 fans about a month ago was a powerful reminder to me of what it was to be an Aggie, so too is singing with each and every one of you. You remind me and we remind each other that an experience of God is profound and does not simply start and end with our experience. These experiences are meant to be shared with the larger community of believers. So I pray that today you feel a moment of the holy in this worship time. Yet if today is not that day, keep coming back again and again. God is active among this community of believers and in you. So what is a reminder for you, maybe even for all of us, to open ourselves up to encounter this living God? We pray all of this in the name of the one who covenanted with us, who chose us, and who will never leave us. Amen. Thank you for listening to this week's sermon at Village Presbyterian Church. Learn more about us at villagepres.org. And we invite you to join us again next week.